What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's the podcast for gamers who have irritable bowel syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go over some of the biggest headlines in gaming. We're going to talk about what we have planned for this show for the end of the year, because we have a little something for the holidays. We're going to talk about what we've been playing, and on top of that, we have a very special guest on the show, and we are so excited to talk to them, and we think you guys will really, really enjoy it. But first, bam, headlines. Hideo Kojima, Kojima Productions, open up a new studio. A movie studio? A movie, music, multimedia, everything, including games studio. Ooh. So I just I just have a prediction. I predict it's going to be, I think, maybe less than five years out. We're going to get a Kojima rap album. That is my hope. Kojima Kanye collab. <laughs> Jesus, I can actually see that happening. God. I don't know whether or not you're, you've played much of like Hideo Kojima's games, Metal Gear and whatnot. But playing those games, there are times when I'm playing them that it feels like he would rather just be making a movie. And I know, and I think that's great. I respect him for that. Uh, I know he doesn't have the Metal Gear license anymore. There is a Metal Gear movie being made, though. But, like, I think the guy clearly is into movies. And the music thing kind of caught me out of left field. But I know the guy's clearly into movies. So, like, I'm kind of excited to see what this means. You know, I actually agree because, I mean, I don't know if you played Death Stranding, but Death Stranding is, like, a movie. Is it? It's essentially a movie. Um, I remember we got it for my brother for Christmas whenever it came out. And partially it's because we were, at the time, big Walking Dead fans uh, up until, like, I believe up until, like, Glenn died. Um, And we loved Norman Reedus' character, Daryl. And so the fact that Norman Reedus was in it, we were super excited. And I remember we're like watching my brother crack that game open and i swear to god like the first hour is like a just a giant cutscene. it's like a movie and i remember just like watching him and being like is this a game like <laughs> like are you pressing any buttons right now are you making him do that like and it was like no like this is straight up like a movie so uh, it actually doesn't really surprise me and the leap from him from video games to movies really wouldn't be that much of a leap at all because i feel like Death Stranding is kind of bridging that gap. So it's a, it's pretty natural. I would love to see how that works. I would love to see the type of content he makes. The guy's also clearly got movie connections. Like like you said, it's not just Norman Reedus. It's Guillermo del Toro and it's Keith yeah, Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, I feel like it would not, unless Guillermo del Toro had a horrible time on Death Stranding, which I kind of doubt, but like I, I feel like it would not be difficult for him to just ring up Guillermo del Toro and Mads Mikkelsen and all these people he's worked with and be like, I want to make an incomprehensible movie to go along with my incomprehensible games. So more power to the guy. I love that for him. Here's what I want. I want a Kojima hype house. <laughs> you know, those like TikTok influencer hype houses. There's just a bunch of like 20, 20 year olds living together and it's like fucking deranged. I want that with Kojima and just like an endless like just cycle of like celebrities and filmmakers. Just want to see what they churn out. Just like Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro. Just a bunch of like married millennials and boomers that he just lives with and forces them to make TikToks and also video games. What else we got? What else is popping in games land? Pokemon. 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 
I love those little fuckers. I love I love those little monsters, those little pocket monsters, little pokey pokey man, as my grandmother used to say, pokey man. So what's popping? Diamond and Pearl remake. That's what's popping. Yeah. And I've been hearing all sorts of like mixed things about it. I've seen uh, one review that was like, hey, they made some quality of life improvements. It makes the game good. Mm-hmm. It makes the game improved and worth playing again. I've seen some people be like, hey, if you want an exact replica of, of the DS game you played 14 years ago, be my guest. And I've seen some reviews say that the game is actually much better enjoyed in handheld mode because when you put it on the dock, it blows it up and makes it look ugly. Hmm. So I'm getting some mixed signals. What about you? The main review that I saw, I've not really read too many reviews. I've kind of talked to people I know who are playing it, but I really liked Fanbyte's review. They The title is Pokemon Brilliant Diamond is cute and superfluous. And their thesis is that like it's fun, but it does not change as much as past remakes of these games have to really feel like it needs to exist. Like, I, I guess it's cool that people who were not 9, 10 years old when Diamond and Pearl originally came out get to kind of play through these games. But as somebody who, like, was 9, 10 when Diamond and Pearl came out and lived through the hype of, oh my god, how's it going to use the DS? And how's it going to do this? And getting to sit next to the people on the school bus who got it before I did because I didn't have a DS at the time and that kind of thing. Like, I... I don't know. I think I might pick it up at some point for nostalgia factor, but I keep reminding myself that I could also just charge my DS and play Diamond or Pearl. I think the main thing for me is that I have quite a few friends and family members who have picked it up, and the proposition of playing online multiplayer with them is very enticing. Yeah, it actually is. Honestly, that would probably that would probably be the number one draw for me. Picking up that game is the multiplayer and being able to battle with friends or being able to possibly swap Pokemon with friends. Um, Love me a good Pokemon trade. That's been the draw for me for these games pretty much for the last like five, ten years. Like I remember when I was in high school, they released the ports of Red, Blue, and Yellow, the first Pokemon games, to the 3DS. And as somebody who owns like two or three Game Boys just because like I've picked them up at yard sales over the years and stuff like that and red and blue I didn't really feel like the need to get it but enough of my friends that had 3DSs also got it and here I found myself like a junior in high school in 2014-2015 replaying games from 1997 because a group of my friends were also playing it and they added wireless trading in those ports of the games so it was like Here's a group of us playing 20-year-old games pretty much just because they added wireless trading to it. And that was the main appeal. Like, that was worth spending 10 bucks on the 3DS eShop to get it, even though it was a game I already own. So I love that. Sometimes it really just needs one little quality of life update to get people into it and get people into it that have never been into it before. Like, not to wax poetic about it, but I was just thinking that I have two cousins um, one who was born in 2009 and one who was born in 2012. And it just occurred to me that these games came out before they were born. And this might get, Shit. this might easily be like their chance to play this. And yeah. I may or may not be considering purchasing this for them now just so they could play it so I could talk to them about it. Yeah. Because they're kind of in the face where they're kind of like hard to talk to. They're like, 12 and 9 and like i don't play fortnite so i'm trying to 
find <laughs> some way to get them into something. And I know they have a switch. Yeah. Um. So this might be my my cool cousin like sliding in, being like, "What's up, kids? You know the <laughs> how do you do, fellow kids? Can I take you down to the leak corner? Oh god, the leak corner. Please step step into my leak corner. Make yourself a homie. Boiling some Gatorade for me. Yeah, I'm boiling some Gatorade. Uh, the oven's on. Take a peek inside. I'm making hot Cheeto crusted chicken breasts. It's gonna be delicious. Are <laughs> you making that blue Sonic curry for me? Yeah, I bought a box of the blue Sonic curry. It's gonna be delicious. Um, I'm not really sure we can even call this a leak anymore because it seems like there are enough corroborating kind of things happening here. But it seems that if the stars align, there might be a remaster or a remake coming down the pike of the PlayStation 1 game Chrono Cross. Big if true. Enormous if true. Chrono Cross, for people who might not know, is the PlayStation 1 sequel to the Super NES RPG Chrono Trigger. Now, Chrono Trigger came out in 1995 for the Super Nintendo, and this is before the companies Squaresoft and Enix jammed together to make Square Enix. So Square was the company that made Final Fantasy, Enix was the company that made Dragon Quest, and they were both like the the gods of the RPGs on the Super Nintendo. And they decided to kind of, this was an informal Square Enix game because it had folks from Final Fantasy and folks from Dragon Quest working on it. And it's even to this day still regarded as like one of the best games ever made. So when Square Enix kind of announces that they're going to make a sequel to Chrono Trigger, which comes out in 1999, people are like, holy shit, they're making a sequel to the best game ever made. And it did not live up to those expectations at all all like Mm. not even fucking remotely i've not played a whole lot of it that's on my list of things now in the next few months to kind of dig into so let's back up this all starts back in september the nvidia geforce this is graphics card company famous nvidia's like answer to google stadia it's their cloud gaming service they put out this service it is very quickly leaked online a lot of internal data and documents for it And among the internal documents and data is a list of video games that are going to be compatible with this service, some of which are already out, some of which are not real or not real yet. And there were some that seemed more plausible than others, like the GTA trilogy was among that list of things and at the time had not even been announced. And people were like, oh, GTA trilogy, that seems plausible. But among a couple other things on there, there's a remake of Final Fantasy Tactics listed in there. Kind of crazy. Seems like a pipe dream. Uh, God of War for the PS4 was listed in there, and it's not available on other platforms yet. But there's also a Chrono Cross remake. People were like, eh, Chrono Cross, not going to happen. Fast forward, there's a Irish musician who's talking in an interview and is like, yeah, I'm going to be, I recorded a track with some cool people for a video game. It's a remake of an old PlayStation 1 game. And the interviewer is like, can you tell me more? And he's like, no, I can't tell you more. A couple months back, there was a picture posted of the same musician and Japanese video game composer Yasunori Mitsuda. Among the things Yasunori Mitsuda has worked on are Chrono Cross and Xenogears on the PS1, two big RPGs. So we got one more nail in the potentially Chrono Cross thing. Yeah. And so the latest addition to the leaks stacking up here are that there is a Square Enix mobile RPG that's called Another Eden. And I guess it recently updated... And people people just data mine this shit constantly. Anytime anything updates, people just 
grab the files and dig through them and see if there's anything interesting. Mm -hmm. And in the files for another Eden's latest update are references to Chrono Cross characters and like by name and shit. Seemingly making people think that there might be an event or something to coincide with an announcement that might have might happen either around the time of the game awards or around Christmas time. Not 100% confirmed, but it's looking like there might be a Chrono Cross remake. So I have a question. As someone who didn't has not played either of these games, because um, mm-hmm. my first like Sony console growing up was a PS2, so I feel like I kind of missed the train on that one. Like Chrono Trigger is by far like the most iconic one. I've listened to the soundtrack. It slaps. Mm. It's banging. It's banging. Why would they choose to remake Cross and not Trigger? And then also from what another some other takes I've read that are just like, I have no opinion on this because I've never played these games. But people were like, I'm so happy they're potentially remaking Cross instead of Trigger because Trigger never needs to be remastered or something along those lines. Like, what are your takes on that? My take is somebody who... I've mentioned before on the show that I went through like a bender when I was a teenager of just like playing a lot of old RPGs and that was very formative for my video game interests. Yeah. I am also kind of of the mindset that Chrono Trigger doesn't need to be touched. Like there's it was the culmination of so much talent in those respective companies at the time and it holds up so well. What it needs is a proper port, not a remaster because in recent years, it was ported to the iPhone the way like most Square Enix RPGs were for like $20 when most games on the iPhone are like $3. Yeah, yeah. But when they ported it, they gave it really ugly iPhone text font and they changed the sprites so that they're no. also really ugly. So it's like the art is incredible and to fuck with it just feels so wrong. And I think Cross just doesn't hold up as well because it released during that period of the PS1 where there was a lot of experimentation happening with art styles and with controls and kind of what things look like. Like, you know how pixel art looks prettier 20 years later than that kind of low-poly PS1 aesthetic? That's I, I've had that conversation many times with many people, how, like, side-scrolling Metroidvania-esque games like Celeste and things like that, like, 20 years from now, they'll probably hold up far better than whatever Call of Duty game came out this year. Sorry, Call of Duty fans. I don't know if their goal is to do, like, a full blowout re- if this is even real. I don't know if their goal is to do a full blowout remake in the style of, like, a Final Fantasy VII remake, which, given the tone and the themes of the Final Fantasy VII remake and the stuff it was tackling, I think Chrono Cross would be the perfect candidate for that, because yeah. it's a game about, like, alternate dimensions and jumping between alternate universes and that kind of thing but i I just think it's it's a good candidate because i don't think it got a fair swing the first time around and introducing it to a whole new audience of people who are less close to the release of what whether they realized it at the time or not was like one of the best rpgs ever made might give it more room to breathe and kind of give it a life of its own it's like the little brother finally getting its chance to shine yeah in the shadow of its much better older brother yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm yeah if it's real if true although i mean like enough things have aligned that we can like safely assume yeah that this is probably happening it's exciting stuff i also want to add a couple things to leak corner not leaks but just hot takes on leaks can we just talk about how we haven't been doing this leak segment for super long, but I have found that 
whenever there's a leak about something that is like not Nintendo, it actually mm-hmm. tends to pan out decently well. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Nintendo. I think it's something about Nintendo fans are just like really constantly wishing the company would do the stuff that they desperately want them to instead of yeah. zigging and zagging the way Nintendo does. Whereas other game companies tend to be a little more predictable. That game we talked about in a previous leak corner, the Warner Brothers Super Smash Brothers ripoff, that ended up being real. And it ended it, up being real, although some characters were a little different. Like, we did not know about Ari Stark. But yeah, that I didn't know about. But, like, there's a trailer online, and it makes, but that kind of thing makes perfect sense because it's the logical endpoint of IP, which is to just jam a bunch of things together and try to see if you can make money off of, like, a mobile game with it. Maybe it's because I have been so, like, Nintendo pilled over the years that <laughs> once I'm, like, looking at leaks outside of that world i'm like oh wow there's leaks that actually end up being true like that's possible who would have thought you would have thunk and for the main part of this episode we're gonna be talking to a really great guest their name is kip they are a twitch streamer and their specialty is dark souls amongst other games hey kip welcome to the show hi it's great to be here thanks for having me yeah, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of what your vibe is? You stream video games on Twitch? Yeah, my vibe is Twitch streaming and doing a lot of fart jokes and just having a good wholesome time while doing fart jokes on on stream. Yeah, and then yeah, I play a lot of Dark Souls games. I've done a lot of my first playthroughs recently in the past year and have been moving on to some other games as well, but I usually will always go back to Dark Souls 1 every so often to I guess before we dive into like the meat of the main conversation, do you want to talk to us a little bit about like your relationship with video games and how you started streaming and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I started very young. I was lucky enough to have a family that could afford a Nintendo 64 because I was born in 1995 and 26. So we had an N64 a little bit, I think maybe before I was born. I kind of don't remember when it came out. I just remember being born and seeing it. Um, (laughs) And so I played a lot of Mario Kart, Mario Party 2, Pokemon Stadium, those kinds of games. And then eventually we got a PlayStation 2, played a lot of Kingdom Hearts over and over again and would watch my older sisters play it because they were better than me and I didn't know how to beat Riku. And um, yeah, it wasn't until I got a laptop in high school and I started playing Team Fortress 2 Um, on just the worst laptop you could imagine it just could not run I was playing it on like the tablet um, part of you know the mouse and just was absolutely terrible at it but I had so much fun and it wasn't until I was in college when I like saved up enough money to build a PC was when I got more into PC gaming which is mainly what I do now so I hear a lot of people talk very fondly about the time they spent playing Team Fortress 2 when they were younger, but Mm -hmm. I had a very similar experience where I was just playing it on like the dog shit family laptop that was barely able to run it. And I like never managed to actually hit anybody because of all the lag. So I was (laughs) kind of just in there for the vibes. I wasn't really accomplishing much. The cool hats, the cool hats. Okay, so that was your bit of your history starting out into games. What got you into streaming in particular? Yeah, well, I've actually been on the platform for a long time. In 2015 or 2016, I made an account to watch people uh, catch shiny Pokemon. And I thought that was really fun to watch while I was in classes, which you should not do. And um, immediately, I just thought it was so interesting because I did improv in high school and I saw people being very entertaining while streaming. And I thought, well, I like video games and I like improv. Streaming seems like such a nice, you know, one plus one equals two kind of thing. 
And just immediately, yeah, as soon as I had enough money saved up, I just built a computer and was like, I'm building this to start streaming and play games. And so that's what I did. And I streamed for a few months and I met a lot of really cool people then. And then I was in community college at the time and transferred to a four year and then I didn't have time to stream. When COVID happened, everyone started streaming. And so I got into it again in October and just have been doing that. I just want to remark on the uh, theater kids streamer pipeline. Oh yeah, something there. Yeah, I. Uh, sorry, can you say that again? Every time I hear theater kid, I like black out. So. <laughs> the theater kids to streaming pipeline. Yeah. Um, just like, what are my thoughts on that? Yeah, I just wanted to remark on it. I think this you just is wanted to put that out into the universe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just, that's sensitive to me. Um, because yeah, I did theater in high school, and I was a theater major, so um. There you go. There you go. I, I think a lot of people are usually like you have musical theater kids or people who did improv and somewhere around like performing arts. I think they just naturally gravitate towards it because it is a performance, you know, streaming. It is like a live show. Yeah. Huh. I will say, too, um, I don't watch much in the way of Twitch streamers. I've kind of bounced in and out of watching streams over the years. Like, I, I think I made a Twitch account the first time around the time when you did too but it was exclusively to watch twitch plays pokemon which i guess for listeners or for you guys if you've never heard of it was when the twitch chat was determining what moves would be made in a game of pokemon red just like every time the chat typed up people would go it would press up on an emulated game boy and it was the most chaotic nonsensical thing in the world and i would like Friends of mine and I would like watch it on our phones in classes, which again, very bad thing to do. A couple of times I have bounced back into streaming. I've watched like larger streamers and people who have like larger audiences, but I started watching your streams because I kept seeing TikToks of you and like getting a kick out of you playing video games on TikTok. And I was like, what the hell? But the the atmosphere is just far cozier and far more, uh, I guess intimate maybe is a good adjective for it than other streams I've seen. Like, it seems like you know every single person whose name pops up in the chat. It's just a very chill atmosphere. Well, a lot of people who do come to my stream are people that I've met also either through TikTok or through mutual, like, streamer friends. And I've seen their streams and I've hung out in their streams and they're just people that I genuinely have like. Like, some of the people who are in there I've met in person and have hung out with them and would consider them good friends. And so every time I stream, it feels like a party because our communities are such are so melded now that I can go into probably more than 10 people's streams and I'll see the same people there um, or at least I'll know that I'll recognize them. So I think that's something that a lot of people really like about Twitch. There's a lot of problems, but uh, one of the things that people really like is that the community aspect is really strong there. I think speaking of problems, like have there been like any challenges you have faced during your time as a screamer as a as a screamer, a screamer. i do scream a lot on my streams that That's is true. actually true i do appreciate that you give a warning and you're like okay like in five seconds i'm gonna like deep fry your earbuds or something <laughs> but have you faced any challenges in terms of like harassment like how do you deal with that i know like a while back there was a, like a boycott day, like to boycott um, like hateful speech and things like that happening on the platform. And just wonder like what your experiences have been with that. Yeah, I've been uh, like follow botted before, which in the grand scheme of things isn't as terrible as some other things. Not to say that that's not also bad, um, but the yeah, the hate raids were something that were really terrible. A lot of my friends who streamed, like I've actively was in their stream and had and saw it happen to them multiple times. 
And so it was like a really serious deal. And so it was really a shame that a lot of either bigger streamers or the platform didn't take it as seriously as people who were directly being affected by the hate raids um, would have liked to have seen them like they would have liked to have seen them take on that responsibility of either like doing something maybe sooner or I mean I don't know I don't know the logistics of how things work like they did put some places in like phone off like authentication for accounts so that only certain people can type in their chat um but yeah they just I think it, people were just sad at the response from Twitch and other big streamers that it seemed like they didn't really care that's what it seemed like yeah it, as somebody who is like outwardly queer and very open about that i mean if you experience like I, I was on your stream a week or two ago and you were talking about like how you were gonna have a special surprise or play something special if you didn't get dead named in a certain amount of time like it, is that something you experience a lot while you're on stream or is the community tight-knit enough that you don't deal with that as much oh that's so funny well the thing you're referencing was that i said because i was gonna go on a date with someone and every um yeah you know you just you go on dates and every date i went on I was misgendered. So I was like, I'm going on another date. If I get misgendered this time, um, you know, there we go. If I don't, though, I'll play Pac-Man World 2, which was an old Game Boy <laughs> game that I really hate. Um, or Game Boy, a, a GameCube game. Um, yeah. I still have to play it because I didn't get misgendered. So that was sort of a plus one. Um, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, bare minimum stuff. But yeah. <laughs> um, but still an achievement. For listeners who can't see that you have your pronouns in your Zoom box, do you want to do you want to mention what your pronouns are? Oh yeah, my pronouns are are solid they them. That's what that is. There we go. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I deal with a lot of stuff in person. With that, I feel lucky enough that I've culminated a community of people who are pretty accepting, and even if they don't understand, they respect it. And but it got to a point where I was getting misgendered just all the time on my stream. Where, you know, I deal enough with that in person, and this is my space, so I decided to just ban the word she and her and lady. People <laughs> just would come in and say, hey, lady, and I'm like, that's actually incorrect, but we're just going to ban that word. So that's been interesting. That's such a power move, honestly. Yeah, yeah. a little aggressive, but, you know, I'm just doing it. It's been a few weeks. You are like the feudal lord of your own world within this stream. Yeah, because I hear so many people talk about how, like, it's your stream and you're in charge of what it is and you're allowed to make it whatever it is. So I'm like, okay, well, then I guess people just literally cannot misgender me. So there we go. So I wanted to bring you on the show. We were having a conversation a couple episodes ago. We were recording about how much Tori was enjoying Metroid Dread. And she was talking about how an aspect of Metroid Dread and those types of games that she enjoys is the fact that the world feels so interlocking. And like when you unlock, when you gain a new power, you get to go back to a new or an old place you've been to before, or you're constantly unlocking routes back to old places. And I made a comment like, yeah, that sounds like Dark Souls. And Tori confided to me and all however many listeners we have that she had never played a Dark Souls game. And as somebody who has like been, I've never actually beaten a Soulsborne game, but I've played quite a few of them to a point where I get stuck and then just give up. Like, I was very shocked that she had not played them. So I wanted to bring somebody on who is very knowledgeable about these games to try and convince Tori to touch and maybe listeners of ours who have not played them to touch these games. Uh, gosh, I mean, I don't even know where to start. There's just so much goodness that Dark Souls has to offer. Uh, if I'm really <laughs> okay, yeah. So I think I have a little like history of it and apprehension. Like I grew up in a house with like my older brother, 
is like always like he loves to play like the hardest most like almost masochistic games possible and so of course like naturally this leads to dark souls i remember wanting to play it in high school and he was like you're gonna be so fucking bad at this you should never play this and i was like okay and then Damn. i got older and then uh you know i made friends who were like you haven't played dark souls and i was like no it's just it's just not my thing because i just thought i was like i'm like bad at games and then um <laughs> I met the person who I'm now engaged to and they're like really into like Soulsborne-esque games. Like they love Sekiro. And I was like, should I play this? And they were like, you play Animal Crossing. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> that's trying to be sexist with me. But like, I want, I want to try. I want to try. And I'm scared that like, what if it's too hard for me? No. And I just go back to my Animal Crossing hole. I think... It, yeah, there's such a weird element of people. This is like almost a whole tangent that I won't get into of like certain games not being real games and only good games or hard games. That whole thing I think is is cursing aloud on here. What's the deal with that? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just fucking bullshit and it sucks and it's bad. So I think people who do that need to just step off of their little poop stool and just, you know, just go lay down for a second or something. And I don't know, go to therapy. But uh I think Dark Souls is for everyone. I have introduced Dark Souls to so many different people who stream different games. I've introduced it to people who do Animal Crossing streams. I've introduced it to people who do Legend of Zelda. Introduced it to people who've played like Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, you know? So, and I've gotten such great receptions from those folks. I think it's almost like a disease. It spreads so fast, faster than Omicron or whatever. <laughs> it's like so, it's just so good. The, the lore is so fantastic and the bosses are so fun and it's probably the most rewarding game ever because it's it is hard it's really hard to learn but once you figure it out it, it it's honestly once you figure it out it's easy kind of thing um but the satisfaction of getting killed by a boss over and over and over again and then finally beating it is just like no amount of drugs could mimic the feeling of beating Taurus demon like for the first time and figuring out the bridge hack and everything it's just so like you just find out so many fun secrets from this game that just i have yet to find in other games I, it's such a special feeling and that's why i'm so excited for elden ring to come out i don't yeah. know it's just so great that is one thing i've heard from a lot of people like my brother in particular he was like nothing compares to the high of defeating a Dark Souls boss. And like on a very, I guess I can kind of see that because so I played Metroid Dread. I don't know if you have, but um the final boss is just like it's annoying. It's like in three different phases. And this is partially my fault. So I was wearing contacts that maybe like I should have replaced by then. And like it, I don't know if you ever wore contacts before, but like if you're staring at a screen wearing contacts, sometimes you forget to blink. If you have to blink, then the contacts start to separate from your eye because they get dry. Mm. And so then your eyes start to hurt and feel horrible. And you're like, oh, like just like blinking, like repeatedly, your eyes are like teary and just like, started crying. And so I was experiencing all like this eye shit while I was playing uh, the final boss in Metroid Dread. And I like, I stopped halfway through. I like washed out my eyes. I put my glasses back on my like, game face put my glasses back on and like literally through the tears and the sweat I beat it and it felt glorious I like was in so much pain I just like sat on the couch and just like closed my eyes like this for a good 10 minutes because I feel like I just put myself through torture so I I'm excited uh to experience that again if I play Dark Souls like how did you first get into it I 
longtime friend Tiffany, who I've known since fourth grade, she's she's always loved the Soul series. She's loved she loves Bloodborne, Dark Souls, all of it. And she bought me uh, Dark Souls Prepare to Die Edition like five years ago. And she was like, this is my favorite game. You have to play it, please. I played it for like an hour and I was like, fuck that. No. And then <laughs> it wasn't until in December of last year when I was streaming again, I was doing I think like Animal Crossing and Phasmophobia. And then I hit like, I usually don't do like, oh, we hit this number of followers. We're going to do a celebration thing. But I was like, okay, we we hit like a marker thing. And I thought that was a fun excuse to play Dark Souls for like a couple streams. And I warned everyone, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be good. It's going to be rough. And I'm not going to play any of the other games. I'm just going to try it out, see how it goes. And then lo and behold, I play the whole entire series. And now I'm doing Dark Souls no hit. And it was just like the best decision I've ever made because I've met the Dark Souls community is so sweet. Uh, everyone's just so nice. And I think I don't know if that's because it's maybe tailored to slightly older people. So maybe no shame to the younger kids out there. But, you know, maybe with like Fortnite or even like Call of Duty environments, it can be maybe a little more toxic or that's just how it's perceived. Whereas Dark Souls, I feel like, is maybe a slightly more mature audience so that it's maybe just like attracts maybe you know, we hate the game. We don't hate the player type of thing. But we also love the game and love the player. That, that, that comment you just made kind of came as a surprise to me because I have noticed that you've been doing no hit runs of these games, which is bonkers to me. Like, I Yeah, that's crazy shit. I, I was saying to Tori, I, and I, I mentioned I've never actually beaten one of these games to completion. When, when I was in high school, I, on a whim at a GameStop, picked up a copy of Demon's Souls through my PS3. And I was like, I hear people say this is a good game. And I just like rammed my head up against it for weeks and could not get past very far into it. Because I, I, I've said before, and I'll say it again, I'm not very good at video games. Like, I'm just not very smart when it comes to games. And I will I will readily admit that. But um, later I traded in that copy of Demon's Souls and I picked up Dark Souls. And I've run through the first like three hours of that game so many times. I feel like I could do the whole first hour up to when you get to like the cathedral bit with the with the gargoyles mm -hmm. with the axes. I feel like I could practically do that with my eyes closed. But I've never made it past the the Ornstein and Smo boss fight, which for listeners who've never played these games, you you randomly walk into this area with these two bosses. One is like slow and hits really hard, and another one is fast and hits quicker. And when you kill one, it powers up the other one. So it's just like an infuriatingly difficult boss fight to get past. I mean, how the hell did you end up trying to beat these games without getting hit? That seems like the most radically difficult thing you could do. Yeah, well, I'm lucky enough to be friends with people who also stream Dark Souls no hit as well. So they've been doing it for a lot longer than I have. I still haven't done like a full playthrough of even attempting hitless right now i'm making save states for bosses and you know when i eventually die from doing a bad run i can go back and just practice certain bosses or different areas to run through but they've been sending me a lot of resources and their notes that they have for their own like runs for their meta of the game and i also watch a lot of people like squilla they have a lot of tutorials on youtube on how to do no hit runs for all sorts of games so just been watching them on repeat over and over. I have a little notebook that I write my notes in of like, when you get to this bonfire, make sure to level up this exact thing and make sure to turn left on this little rock and all those little things. So it's, it's a lot to remember. I, I probably forgot it all because I haven't done it in a bit, but 
I just, I don't know why I love it. It's just even more difficult because I've beaten the bosses already and that was such a rewarding feeling. And now being able to beat them without getting hit is like even more of a rush. It's just <laughs> great. It's great. So for someone who hasn't like dipped their toe into the series, what game would they start at? Dark Souls, a lot of people disagree with me. I think Dark Souls 1 is a is the best place to start. And because it is a little on the clunky side, but the lore is so fantastic. I think it's such a great way to get into the game because if you start with 3, Dark Souls 3, which is what some people would recommend because it's smoother, it's a bit more friendlier to newer people who are into the franchise. Um, but I think if you play it in the order, it just it makes more sense. It flows well. You get more rewarded when you get to dark souls 3 you appreciate how much better the movements are in the game because dark souls 1 can be a little bizarre and we won't talk about dark souls 2 but yeah i like dark souls 2 um a lot of people like to hate on it but uh, i would recommend playing dark souls 1 2 and 3 and then you know in whatever order sekiro and bloodborne i personally did not like demon souls so play that if you want but i personally wasn't a huge fan of it but very beautiful game yeah, Dark Souls 1. What's your take on Bloodborne? Because I I really love the aesthetic of Bloodborne. I love that rather than kind of high fantasy that's dark and freaky and twisted the way the Dark Souls games are, it's, it leans into that weird eldritch horror type thing with like weird, maybe, the, maybe that's what England actually looks like IRL. I don't know. <laughs> it does actually. Yeah, it does. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I really, really like Bloodborne, but I feel like bloodborne the pace of the combat because you have to move around and it really incentivizes that but it like breaks my brain when i try to go back to playing dark souls like have you have you played bloodborne at length yeah i actually just beat it a couple weeks ago and yeah i mean that game i have a this is just from information i've gotten from people in chat and other people who've played this but miyazaki the one of the directors of all the souls games uh designed that game to be played as the version that they kind of like wanted dark souls to be like very fast paced rewards being incredibly aggressive moving very quickly and the um oh, it's been a second so i don't remember what it's called but when you get hit and you can hit it back and get your hp back i forget what that's called but it just yeah really rewards being incredibly aggressive and in dark souls it's it is a, a tiny bit different but it is yeah it is so fast paced and i do like that but yeah, they're just they're just slightly different. They all have their own charm to it. So I don't know. It's hard to rank them like an order of like I, what I personally think I like the most. But it's, of course, all subjective. We're going to have you do a tier list, right? right yeah, now. I'll do it. I have a tier list because everyone always asks me. Um, but oh, my God, do you really? Yeah, it goes because now I've played all of them. I was waiting to decide fully. But for me personally, it goes Dark Souls 1, Bloodborne, Sekiro. Dark Souls 3, Dark Souls 2, and then like at the very bottom of the barrel is Demon Souls. You heard it here first. Yeah. So that's my ranking. That's my ranking. He, is Sekiro like radically, radically different than some of these other ones? Or Yeah, Sekiro is very different. It works on a completely different mechanic. You don't really get much of a weapon option. You'd mainly just get one or two. I, I think you can kind of change it a little bit, but not really. Um, there's so many more abilities that you can unlock. Dark Souls is just dodge roll, hit, you know, and then stronger versions of hits and stuff like that. So uh, Sekiro is just more complicated in that regard and works on a parry 
mechanics. So parrying bosses is incredibly essential, uh, more important than hitting a boss versus in Dark Souls. Uh, parrying is good. I don't like to parry. I, I actually like never really parried in Dark Souls at all. I'm kind of really against it. I think it's illegal and bad. But um, so it was really hard to go from Sekiro because I didn't parry it on all the Souls games. And then Sekiro is just like, you have to parry. And so that was so hard for me to unlearn. And everyone always talks about how it is really difficult to go from Dark Souls to, to Sekiro because they're different game styles. But they have the same essence of there's kind of bonfire things and the bosses are really difficult. But yeah, I think they're, it's fantastic. It's a very beautiful game as well with a great story. I don't know. I might, I might be convinced to, to play one of these. I am very lucky that the last two weeks of the year, so like the week of Christmas and the week of New Year's, I have off from work so i might crack one of these bad boys open so yeah i think also if you're interested even if you don't plan on doing it for a long time i had such an awesome experience playing dark souls one while streaming it for the first time and i i was like a very small streamer at that time so i didn't have a lot of people watching but the people who were there were people who really loved it and loved watching other people play it for the first time and so I think it would be if you need that extra motivation from someone or just a couple of people to even even help you guide you through the game. I, I would maybe recommend streaming it, even if you're just doing like a couple hours, like sometimes a week. Hmm. That's that's fair. I might I might, might look into yeah, that. send me send me your Twitch and I'll watch. Oh, my God. I I made a Twitch a super long time ago and I've like never used it, but we'll see. I'll have to dig that old thing up. Noah, do you have any more questions? Uh, I just wanted to make a note. I think uh, a one good reason to potentially start with the first Dark Souls would be that it's available on like every console known to man. Okay. I know I've heard people complain about how certain versions of it run because like, I don't know, I know it's on the Switch and I have my doubts about how well that might run on the Switch, but it's on the PS3, it's on PC, it's on Switch, it's on PS4. Uh, I don't know how PS5s work. I'm sure you can probably play it on that too. But yeah, yeah, we do have a PS5. I'll check that out. I know Demon Souls remake just happened on the PS5, so that's also an option for me. But I'm sure it's on the PS5. Like it, it would not make sense if it wasn't. I'm sure, it's downloadable. So. I guess the the last thing I wanted to ask you briefly mentioned Elden Ring. Um, we've talked a little bit about Elden Ring because I'm also very excited for it. Initially, the prospect of Ooh, I want to see what George R. R. Martin does when he teams up with Miyazaki would be really cool. But after the the first gameplay trailer dropped and everything, like I'm just I'm smitten with the world design. I think it just looks so so cool. Given that that game is going to be open world, though, you sounded like you were pretty excited. Do you have any reservations about maybe this style of game being grafted onto open world? No, I'm just going to blindly trust Miyazaki and the people working behind this that it's going to be great. I'm not having the highest expectations, but I think I'm not super picky when it comes to games. But now I'm kind of picky when it comes to FromSoft specifically. So we'll mm -hmm. see. I'm trying so hard to not get spoiled by anything because people had like the play tests and people have already played Elden Ring. So I've been trying to not learn anything about it because I love just going into a game and not knowing anything and learning the world as I go. So... I'm very excited for it. I think it'll be at least pretty good. So thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show. Can't be really appreciate it uh, for closing out for every episode. We just kind of ask each other 
what we've been playing lately. It doesn't have to be like what you've been streaming. It can be like if you're playing something like on the DL. Uh, just talk about that. Sometimes we talk about like what shows we're watching if we haven't played a whole lot this week. So we use the term play be, very, very loosely. Yeah. It's what what we've been consuming, essentially. So we wanted to let you in on that segment. So what have you been playing, Kip? I ever since I beat Bloodborne, I've now moved on to some other games. I am currently playing my first playthrough of The Last of Us. I've never played that game before, and I've heard fantastic things about it and how it makes you sob every five seconds, and that's a little true so far. I've played maybe like six hours of the game, and yeah, it's fantastic. I really love it. And playing the remastered version on PS4, and it's very beautiful. The acting is so good in that game. The voice actors are fantastic. The storyline is so awesome, and I'm not even really that far into it yet, but I've been I've been really enjoying it. It's fun. Have y'all played it before? I haven't, but that's just because, like, okay, so this is, like, really personal. I came from, like, a bit of a stricter upbringing, so I don't think I was allowed to play, because I think when it came out, I was, like, in seventh grade, and I don't think I was allowed to play, like, mature-rated games at that mm-hmm. point, but, like, I need to catch up. Noah, have you? I feel like you have. I missed it on the front end. Um, I have a very strange memory of, yeah, I was in high school. I was at a friend's birthday party. It was like a few of us were all hanging out with a friend for his birthday. And one person at said party bought The Last of Us on PS3 for the birthday boy and was like, you're going to love this game. And the birthday boy was like, that's awesome. I'm going to get to it later. And then the person who bought it was like, let me just put it in and we can like, I'll show it to you. We can start playing it. And then the person who bought it played through like the first four hours of the game at this person's house. And uh, that was really weird. But I finally played it like, I'm pretty sure I played it like early 2020. This was like early pandemic days when I like wasn't leaving the house a whole lot and mostly just playing Animal Crossing. And I played it and I really enjoyed playing it because I was living with roommates at the time and we were kind of treating it like half the time they would just sit and watch me play it because it is so cinematic. I really enjoyed it. I I kind of had to push myself through the whole game because there were a couple of times where the difficulty spiked so much and it was just like zombies galore. But I, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't think I enjoyed it enough to want to go touch The Last of Us 2. It felt like a concise and complete story to me. I was pleased with how it ended, but... I also know that they're working on a TV show now with Oscar Isaac, and he's big sexy, so I'll probably watch that. (laughs) We we support watching TV shows only because sexy people are in it. Specifically Oscar Isaac, yeah. I recommend Midnight Mass if you're talking about shows you watch only because sexy people are in it. That show is fascinating. It's monologue after monologue. It's so many monologues. (laughs) Oh, God. Tori, what have you been playing lately? I have been, uh, so I I kind of did like the bit in Animal Crossing I wanted to do. I wasn't actually that interested in the whole happy home, like interior design, but I got Brewster. Um, he's vibing, we're vibing. I put in some KK slider songs in the jukebox. I got my Harv's Island set up. And this might be weird, but I kind of feel at peace with it. I kind of feel almost like I could just like stop playing this game now. Like I, it's almost like, all right, I've, I've pillaged the new content and I feel content with the content. So that's what I've been up to. And then now I plan on cracking open and finally getting use of my Nintendo online, like expanded subscription mm. that I got, uh, just for this year, hopefully, I think. Uh, and I think I might crack at some Sega Genesis games that I have never played before because I never owned a Sega Genesis. So 
any Sega Genesis game recommendations besides Sonic? Like I've played Sonic. Uh, hit me up. Might be Echo the Dolphin. I don't know. Echo the Dolphin. That's my big Echo Sega. Yeah, Echo the Dolphin. That's it. Kip, are you familiar with this game? No clue. <laughs> oh, it's cool as fuck. It's like it's like a momentum-based platformer that was on the Genesis. So it's like you you build up speed by like you're, you play as a dolphin. You are Echo the Dolphin, right. and you build up speed by like breaching the water as said dolphin, and then like gaining air and then going back down. So there's like you're swimming, and there's all this cool shit, and then you like breach the water and then come back down. I don't remember, I don't think I ever like beat it or anything, but I want to say there's like aliens involved, maybe time travel. I don't know. I, th- I think it starts off as just like yippee, I'm a dolphin, and then it ends up being aliens or some shit. But play Echo the Dolphin and report back to me as to whether or not it involves time travel. <laughs> okay, I'll let you know. I wanted to say too, I know we mentioned recently that both of us kind of had unhealthy relationships with Animal Crossing throughout the the early days of like the COVID-19 pandemic so I'm really happy to hear that you've reached a point with Animal Crossing where like you're content to quit playing it and you're gonna put it down in a good place yeah it's just like I know some people go ham on their islands or like building like Hogwarts or some shit on there like I'm like what um I'm good like the trees are where I want them to be the pavement is where I want them to be I have put some cute accessories and I just kind of look at it and I'm like I think I'm good I don't know. I think that we are kind of addicted to this idea of like endless content. I think it's part of like the endless scroll. Like I think social media has kind of like poisoned our brains in that way. Where we're like, there has to be more content. Like I remember when Animal Crossing first came out, people were ripping through that game like no one's business. Like to be fair, we were all unemployed. So like there was that, but it was like like months worth of content. People would just tear through in like two weeks. And uh, I kind of felt a little bit that way with this update. I kind of went through it pretty quickly. I was just raising hella money to get Harv's Island all set up. And afterward, I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think this chapter of my life is closed. Maybe I'll open it back up in a couple, in a few months. But I think I think I'm good now. So onto a new arc of your life. Yeah, maybe it's the dark. Maybe it's time for Dark Souls. Yeah, it is. It is always time for Dark Souls. <laughs> It's time for Dark Souls. You're entering a new arc of your life, but it's like the tournament arc of an anime. Oh my god. So what are you playing, Noah? So in a recent episode, you and I talked about how the folks who made Pokemon Go have a new game out, and it's based on Pikmin. And we both kind of looked at each other, and we were like, have we touched this game? And neither of us had, and then we moved on. So I just for the hell of it downloaded it. And while I had downloaded it and I opened it once and went, I don't want to do this. And then I opened it again and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to give Pikmin Bloom a fair shake. And then I decided that I didn't actually want to play Pikmin Bloom. What I wanted to do was just play Pikmin. So I just dug out my GameCube and dug out my copy of Pikmin 1, which is in a... You guys remember when you used to buy used games at GameStop and for some reason they would just throw out the original case and the manual sometimes? A little CD packet. Uh, no, I don't have it in a CD packet. I have it in this like shitty placeholder thing where it's like poorly drawn flash animation looking people going to GameStop to buy games. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I do own Pikmin 1. I'm I'm happy to say that I do own Pikmin 1 because this is a series that for all that Nintendo is pushing it with a new mobile app, the only game in the series you can play on their modern console is the most recent one, Pikmin 3. Pikmin 1 is a phenomenal fucking game. If you have access to this, I highly, highly recommend it. 
I never beat this one as a kid. Shocker. I was too stupid to figure out how to play a RTS with a time limit on everything, and it stressed me the fuck out. But the basic premise is that you play as Captain Olimar, who's this, like, middle-aged dad astronaut from an alien planet, and he crash lands on the planet that has the Pikmin on it, and the 30 pieces in his spaceship are scattered across the planet, and you have to use the cute little Pikmin to find them, but you only have 30 in-game days to do it. So it's kind of like Majora's Mask in that you have, like, a time limit looming over you, and if you hit that time limit, it's, it's game over. You have to kind of go back. But I didn't realize how much of the game was about time management, and it's it becomes very satisfying when you have an army of 100 Pikmin, and you're like, all right, 30 of you go bust down that door, 30 of you are going to take you, we're going to fight this boss, and the other 10 of you just go like beat this thing up and go get some beans to take it back to the little onion thing that you guys live in. And I, I don't know if I would say it boss fights were as satisfying as Dark Souls, but it felt incredibly satisfying when you made it over a puzzle or over a tough fight and you only ended up with like 50 dead pikmin because they die and when they die it's like they make this really sad noise and their soul like levitates up to pikmin heaven but i had a blast with it and it it seems to incentivize you even replaying it like you beat it and it tells you how quick you did it and how many pikmin you raised and how many died so I really wish Nintendo would port this to their modern consoles, but if you have access to a GameCube or a Wii copy, because they re-released on the Wii, I would like highly, highly recommend playing it. I just want to do a little heads up for anyone listening that our posting schedule, as the case for many a podcast, are about to get a little wonky during the holidays. Noah and I have decided that the week of Christmas, we are probably uh, not going to post. But before the end of the year... We do want to do a little best of 2021. By best of 2021, we don't necessarily mean games that came out in 2021, but games we happen to have played in 2021. And we also wanted to push this later because, as I noted, Christmas is around the corner. Hanukkah is actively happening. Uh, My birthday is next week. Lots of things are happening. Lots of opportunities to potentially receive games as gifts. And if I get any games as gifts, I want to play them before I talk about it. Because they could end up being my best game of 2021. Who knows? And yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you want to find us on Twitter, I'm on Twitter too often as uh, at Tori underscore as underscore always. Noah, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz, but it's spelled H-U-R-T-S. The show is on Twitter at press underscore start pod. Kip, where can people find you on social media or on Twitch? Yeah, all of my socials are uh, hey Kip, one word with two Ps. Uh, it can find me anywhere. Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, all the all the socials. Google Plus, MySpace, yeah. LinkedIn. Uh, E-Bombs World. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The music and the show is produced by Geist. You can find more of their music at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. Our theme music is Burn Tap. Uh, If you like the show and you want to get in touch or let us know which of the Dark Souls games is your favorite, you can email us at heypressstart at gmail.com. And I think that's all the stuff we say at the end of this. Am I forgetting anything? No, that's it. 
All right, lift your hands to the sky and help us make the spirit bomb. 